The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Step right up and get your reverse chronological lightning round right here. It's Fantasy NBA Today. It's Monday, the start of a new week. What's happening, everybody? I am Dan Bespris. Pleasure to be back after the weekend. We had ourselves a juicy, big Saturday of games. Kind of a quiet little Sunday, but stuff to take away on almost all fronts. We're having some fun. Guys are popping up left and right. Big one actually happened on Friday, right at the start of the weekend, and then we got some hemi-confirmation on it. Not quite all of the goods that we wanted, but n- not nothing. And we'll get into that in just a moment. This is a Hoop Ball and Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee Company presentation. Hoop Ball is hoop-ball.com. They're at Hoop Ball Fantasy on Twitter. Again, that's at Hoop Ball Fantasy. HawaiianIsles.com is the website. HI Kona Coffee on Twitter over there. Got a really strong reaction to the recruiting push I put out on Twitter on Sunday afternoon. I think I sent a tweet out at like 12.30 Pacific time, and everybody popped up. Suddenly it was like everyone had forgotten that we are always looking for the best and the brightest, and apparently the world needed a reminder. So I'll use this opportunity to do it on the podcast as well. If you guys had forgotten, we're still recruiting here at Hoopball. If you're interested in fantasy, team beats, podcast, sales, marketing, you name it. We're looking for it. The best of the best of the best. If you've got the passion, hit me up at Dan Bespris on Twitter or send an email to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Attention, Dan, and let me know what you're emailing about. We'll go back and forth that way. So there's a lot going on there. Would love to give you the, the skinny. But let's dive right into our weekend in review. First things first. If you guys don't know what Reverse Chronological Lightning Round is, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. The key here is we go through each team's most recent basketball game, and it kind of ties the Sunday end of the weekend with the Friday beginning of the weekend, which, as you know, on our Friday shows, we go through and we talk about what we're expecting to see from all 30 teams in their next basketball game. So trying to bring those threads together as best we can. The Knicks almost stole one from the Clippers on Sunday morning. They got off to a really fast start. L.A. came roaring back, largely the Lou Williams show, with Paul George putting up 32 as well. Montrezl Harrell, 34, but it was Lou that hit the big ones. 32 points, 9 assists for Lou Williams. But of course... Some of his issues cropped up in this one. Seven turnovers, no steals, no blocks. We know that that has been a limiting factor for him. He is one of, if not the most, overvalued fantasy players across the board. And there are guys out there like a Blake Griffin who are overdrafted. I'm talking about overvalued because Lou Williams is playing. He's out there every day. But his 19.6 assist average is only translated to top 150 marking so far this year because he doesn't get steals or blocks and he turns it over a lot and his field goal percent is low and for a guy who shoots as much as he does he only hits one and a half three pointers a ball game go try to get something good for him someone's going to want him more than they should 
That's the Lou Williams story. He, he's not the guy that he was a couple years ago when he just had carte blanche to go take 23 shots a game and his volume could sort of outweigh some of the, the setbacks. In any event, it looked going into this ballgame like maybe Paul George and Pat Beverly would miss it. They both played, and they both looked pretty good. So I think you're all set on that front moving forward. On the Knicks side, Marcus Morris blew up for 38. Missed some free throws, but whatever. R.J. Barrett was decent. Reggie Bullock played 25 minutes in this game. Nine points, three steals. His fantasy game doesn't usually translate. But for me, in my 30 deep, I'm pretty excited about that. And then Julius Randle, who had been going completely crazy, finally cooled off a little bit. He managed to raise his value up to top 180, though, on a per-game basis. But he's had a couple of tougher shooting games over the weekend. Got some defensive stats in the mix. Unusual twist, but it, his insane torrid stretch did, did finally come to a close. Portland at Miami, no C.J. McCollum in this one, so Dame pretty much had to do everything himself. Hassan Whiteside gave a little bit of help, and that was about it. Carmelo's in a shooting skid, which is what we feared and why we call him more of a points league guy. Tried to convince us he was a nine-cat dude, and he almost did. He did for a little bit. Dame was great, not enough. 34-12, and 12, three steals, six three-pointers. Goran Dragic went crazy on the other side with no Jimmy Butler, who had a sore back in this basketball game. And so that meant all sorts of opportunity for Drogic. Uh, Derek Jones Jr., 19-6, He's been a great stream either way. Kendrick Nunn took 13 shots. Bam Adebayo scored 20 points on 10 shots. Our guy Duncan Robinson took 11 shots from downtown, but he only made two of them. So that was a little bit of a pisser. If he makes four or five of those bad boys, you're talking about a great ball game. He had seven rebounds and a steal, and he played... Second most minutes on the team. He was tied with Bam Adebayo behind just Derek Jones Jr. So I know everybody's abandoning ship on Duncan Robinson. I am not because the minutes are there and the three-point tries are there. And I, this game put a little bit of a dent into things. But actually, prior to this ball game, he had the best jump shooting rate in the league ahead of even Davis Bertans, if you can believe that. Minnesota beat up on the tumultuous Cleveland Cavaliers these days. That team is a total mess. Kevin Porter Jr. hurt his knee, so one of the very few, very small, bright notes for that Cavs team is out for a little bit. Dante Exum went crazy in 24 minutes, and I'm not adding him because dude ain't going 11-13 to 13 every ballgame. And he still only played 24 minutes because they have to spoon-feed minutes to Colin Sexton and Darius Garland who cooled back off again after a couple of better games himself. The only real interesting notes on this game is that there were no big men left, basically. They were down Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, and Larry Nance Jr. So John Henson, old love of mine, 2016 fantasy love of mine, out of 7-11 and 11 with a block, and Ante Zizic had 15-12, and 12, but he doesn't block many shots. And I guess if you really wanted to, you could dabble in a Henson stream if you're looking for blocks while everybody is out. But I don't even know. I mean, we Kevin Love, this sounded like a rest day, and he'll probably be fine. Gorgie Jang was stellar in Minnesota's win. He's just been playing his damn tail off with no cat. We still don't really have an update on Carl Anthony Towns, so just keep trotting Gorgie out there. He's been amazing. What a ball game. Shabazz Napier's been very good as a fill-in. 
And he was actually quite good in this one as well, despite the fact that Andrew Wiggins was back and taking 19 shots. Shabazz was just incredibly efficient, making eight of his 10. Jared Culver got the start at kind of a wing position, shooting guard wing-ish. They went heavy on the wings, didn't they? And Jeff Teague came back and played only 17 minutes, so I probably should have benched him. I don't know if they may be going easy on him now with this sore knee. I'm holding on Teague. But if Minnesota is going full youth movement, then that's something to keep an eye on. They may be trying to keep Teague healthy so that they could maybe move him prior to the all-star slash trade deadline. I still like him, though. You can't abandon ship after one low-minute game. The other guys are just playing pretty well. Rob Covington, he's been great. Four threes, four steals. I'm, I'm curious about this Shabazz Napier thing. I, I thought that Andrew Wiggins coming back would probably push him out a little bit, but apparently not yet. If Jeff Teague sees more minutes, does that do the trick? Has Shabazz permanently taken Teague's minutes? What happens when Cat comes back? Is it just a straight swap, Gorgie out, Cat in, and it doesn't impact the guards at all? If that's the case, then this Shabazz Napier stream might actually stick a little bit. He tweaked his ankle a little bit, but I, I don't... I mean, he played through it, and we'll see if it has any impact on anything. But I, I think he's a guy you probably need to have... You probably had him for streaming regardless, but this game was an interesting footnote because the expectation was that he probably would run out of gas when Wiggins came back, and he didn't at all. Or that when Jeff Teague and Wiggins came back, and he most definitely did not run out of steam. Now, they're not going to play the awful Cleveland Cavaliers every game, but it's a lot of good ones in a row for Shabazz. Memphis beat Phoenix on the road, thanks in large part to our good friend Jonas Valanciunas, who had 30 points on 16 shots. He went crazy. Eight boards, four assists, a steal, two blocks, three three-pointers. Missed two free throws. Ouch. <laughs> I know. Jaron Jackson was good again. Three threes, three blocks. That's good stuff. Brandon Clark, 10-7 and a block. That's fine, if unspectacular. Memphis looks good these days. Phoenix looks bad. It surprised me. I thought they'd play better in this ballgame. You got a really big minute count from Mikhail Bridges off the bench. Dario Saric has pretty much been removed from the rotation. Aaron Baines, who was absolutely the story of Friday night, got another start and played 26 minutes in this one. Nine points, nine boards, and a three-pointer. Missed some free throws, missed his field goal attempts. Otherwise, it really could have been a pretty good ballgame. So I like the Aaron Baines pickup, and I'm sticking with it because what I've seen from DeAndre Ayton so far has not been ultra convincing. I know you guys keep insisting that I'm some sort of DeAndre Ayton hater. I just, I don't know. There's something about his game that it's missing something. His fantasy game is great. His reality game, there's something wrong, and I don't know exactly what it is. There's just like a toughness factor that hasn't been quite there. On the Mikhail Bridges front, this is interesting because he's actually been seeing an upswing in his minutes in general, even with the team health. Remember, he played a bigger load of minutes in early December when Devin Booker missed a couple of ball games, and then Booker came back and his minutes took a giant hit. Now, all of a sudden, right around Christmas, well, the game after Christmas, he played 20 minutes at Golden State. The game after that, on the 28th in Sacramento, 25 minutes, and since then, 25-31, 25-20, and 31 again. He's an extremely low-usage guy, which is always going to cap what he might be able to pull off. 
You need the percentages to be great, which they generally have been so far for him. He's shooting close to 50% from the field and 82 at the free throw line. But this ballgame was just that quick snippet on what it could be if they gave him close to 30 minutes. Over the last two weeks, he's averaging 25 minutes, and he's number 103, which is worth using. And he's doing it without hitting three-pointers. He was hitting one of those during his hot run last year. So put him distinctly on your watch list. At the very least, I mean, you could even make an argument for a pickup. Frank Kaminsky was out, but that's not really a thing. The main guys got their usual minutes. Even Bain still got 26, 8 and 32, Ubre 38. That's the guy you're worried about. If how is Bridges going to get his minutes if Ubre is playing 38, but he got him anyway. They went to a very tight rotation, and if that's the case, if they're going to really tighten things up, and it's going to be Baines, Rubio, Ubre, Aiton, and Booker as the starters, and the main bench guy is Mikhail Bridges, then he absolutely belongs on a fantasy team. And he'll have some real quiet ones, as the 3 and D guys do. But if he's available in some of your leagues, I, I wouldn't call it a crazy idea at all to flip him onto a roster, because he's like a souped-up version of some of these other steals prolific guys we've talked about don't delay at least at least take a look everybody was talking Seku Dembuya after his colossal pair of games kind of coming out of nowhere and I suppose we kind of I mean he's been picked up in a bunch of my leagues we had 10 and 11 Late last week, he had 16-10 with three defensive stats and four three-pointers on Saturday. Then he had a tough test on Sunday. Make no mistake, that's a very difficult opponent. Things are weird in Detroit right now. We kind of need to break this thing from the top down. Derrick Rose, consistent score. He'll, as long as his legs will allow him, he'll play his 22 to 25 minutes a game. He's good. Andre Drummond who everybody assumes is just going to be traded before we wake up tomorrow, it's it's not so simple. I mean, they, even if he is traded, which he should be, Detroit kind of knows what's good for them, even if he should be traded, they're going to want to field offers for a while. They got to make sure they get the best possible deal because this is, I mean, this is their franchise guy. Langston Galloway, nah, doesn't move the needle for me. Svi Mikhailuk doesn't move the needle for me. Tony Snell, Tim Frazier, Don McCare, not really. And then you get to some of these other interesting names. Christian Wood, Bruce Brown, and Sekou Dumbuya. Those are the three names that everybody's talking about right now. As we've said many times before, Christian Wood needs two guys down in front of him to make an impact. And he has that right now. No Blake Griffin, no Markeith Morris. We don't really know what the hell is going on with almost anybody injured on Detroit right now. Reggie Jackson, he's been dealing with a back thing for three months, almost. Luke Kennard, he's expected to be reevaluated in a little bit less than a week, but who knows what that means. They might say, ah, needs another two weeks. I mean, if he ends up getting healthy and playing, he could go nuts with this current iteration of the Pistons because he's better than these other guys. Blake Griffin, obviously playing through pain for a while. We don't really know how long they're going to shut him down for right now. A week? Two weeks? One game? No idea. Markeith Morris, we have almost no idea. 
There's so much uncertainty, which makes these pickups really difficult to assess. Christian Wood, to me, feels like the one you still want to probably put your eggs in. That's the basket you most likely want to contribute to. Because we've seen him do it before. We know what his fantasy game is, and it's good. It's juicy. And if the two power forwards that should be in front of him are out, Blake and Markeith, he should play, which he did. When I say has been, but it hasn't been nearly consistent enough anyway. I played 18 minutes in Golden State the game before, but 23-23, 28-24 in the games leading up to that with all these guys out. So it's been there. The defensive stats have not. I don't know if that's a byproduct of just trying to stay on the floor a little bit more. But remember, you know, 24 minutes a game for New Orleans at the end of last year, he's averaging 17 and 8 with 2.2 combined defensive stats. In 16 minutes this year, he's only at 1.1 combined defensive stats. That's a much lower mark. That's down about 25%. And lately, it's been worse as his minutes have gone up. So the question now with Wood is does that stuff level off? Is that going to be. A regression that we take advantage of? The hope is yes. Regardless, he needs to be on teams right now. He needs to be on fantasy teams just to see how this whole thing plays out. Bruce Brown, I'm a little bit less excited about. I've never been a big fan of his fantasy game, and it seems like he's always going to be behind Derrick Rose. He's going to fight with Langston Galloway, Svee Mikhailiuk for, for touches. If Luke Kennard comes back, he probably gets relegated to not obscurity, but near obscurity. Tony Snell did get hurt, so I guess that opens things up a tiny bit more, at least in the short term. And then Dembuya. That's the one that's really the most nebulous of all of them. He looks decent. He made some silly youth plays, but they're leaving him out there, and he's seeing a whole lot of playing time. Gets pushed around by big, strong veterans from time to time. But he's looked more comfortable than I think any of us would have expected. The weird part is he's suddenly starting at a position where it wasn't clear that it was going to go to him anytime soon. He just came out of nowhere. It wasn't like a whole bunch of small forwards went down and they were like, okay, third string guy, get in there. It was a whole bunch of power forwards and centers went down. And then they were like, ah, whatever, screw it. Dembuya, get in there, do something. He just popped up and started playing 30-something minutes a game. I have very little confidence that someone who's never really had to do this sort of load is going to be able to hold up long-term. So I'm probably going to let this dude chill and see how things develop. I like the minutes, but I don't, I don't trust the consistency at all yet. And maybe he blows me away. But of the guys that we've talked about, I feel like it's got to be Christian Wood. And then for the Lakers, JaVale McGee had one of his big blocks games. But overall, you have a pretty good idea of what things are going to be with that club. Before we get to our Saturday breakdown, which is going to pretty much polish off the rest of them, uh, I wanted to, number one, thank everybody who's been rating and reviewing the podcast. You guys are incredible, and the number just continues to blow through all of my expectations. We were stuck at... Did we get number 400 late last week? I forget when they actually... The, the line crested, but we're at 406 now. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you, guys. So thank you, thank you, thank you. You're the best. Again, if you want to write something, I'll always be appreciative of that. If you don't, just drop that five-star review and we'll love you forever. Do it on your iTunes. Do it on your 
neighbors, computers, iTunes. Do it on your Apple-branded device. Searching. Go into the podcast app, search for Fantasy NBA Today. Click on the show title and then scroll on down to the bottom. There was a good question that was posted, by the way, on on, uh, one of the reviews. And I thought I'd answer it because it's possible that this uh, reviewer may actually adjust the number. and, And I thought we could address that. The request in this post was to make mention of what format I'm talking about most of the time. And they're right. You know, that's something that I mention once in a, a long while, and then I just sort of assume that it's that it carries over. But each podcast is different. Every show is different. New, new listeners pop on all the time. And so to this poster, you're right. I should mention it more often. Most of what I talk about is for competitive 12-team nine category leagues it's why i you know i try to break things down into the pickups holds drops watch list kind of stuff because you can sort of apply that to different formats where you know if somebody's a drop in a 12 they're obviously a drop in anything smaller than that might they be a hold in a 14 or a 16 yeah but if i went through every single type of league the podcast would be five hours long so there's as a show host you kind of have to find this happy medium and so i just go with standard Standard is 12-team, and Yahoo, the standard is 9-cat. So that's what we've been operating under. Now, what I often do try to do in my discussions is mention when something might be different for perhaps a head-to-head league, where you're eyeballing the playoffs or what's going to happen towards the end of the year. But I try to focus mostly on the now, because I can't assume that all of you guys are just resting comfortably in first place and stashing guys for the playoffs. It's just not that simple all the time. So, in general, what you're hearing me talk about on this show is for a very competitive 12-team, 9-category league. So, it's a 9-cat, 12-teamer that almost plays more like a 13, if such a thing were the case. Because I I mostly play in leagues that have a 5-player bench and high games caps in Roto and, you know, unlimited games cap in the head-to-head format with a deep bench as well. So, they play really deep. They play whatever the numbers would indicate. So like a lot of 12-teamers, your rosters are 13 deep. 12 times 13, I guess, would be, what, 156? Am I getting that right? These are 15 deep. So you're now you're getting into 180 instead of 150. So it's an extra 25-ish players that you're digging into. So it plays a little bit bigger. It plays more like a 13-teamer with a normal roster. So that's how these numbers impact. I hope that answers your question. It was a very good one. I'll try to do a better job going forward of reminding folks that it is a 12-team, 9-cat discussion for the most part. And we'll roll from there. Let's talk Saturday. We're ready for it now. I'm ready for you Saturday. Huge, huge card. 11 games. I believe by the end of this one we'll have talked about all 30 teams, but I'm not 100% positive, so we'll just work our way through. Memphis, we did already talk about Clippers as well. They were uh, back back on Saturday and Sunday. Toronto, they blew out Brooklyn. And if I was in front of my computer, I would have bet my life savings on the Raptors at halftime of this game. Somehow, they were getting outshot something like 52% to 38%, and they were down like four or something crazy at halftime. They had no business being as close as they were. The Nets committed 24 turnovers in the game. Toronto committed seven. They took 30 more field goal attempts than the Brooklyn Nets in the ballgame. I mean, you just, you're going to win. You're going to win when that happens. 
In any event, Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry, Fetty Van Fleet all were very good. OG Ananobi had a quiet ball game, and I bring him up because we're starting to get questions about him. He's number 95 in nine category leagues right now, and that's really right on the borderline. And after an insanely hot start to the season, he has cooled a bit. But somebody rolling along around 90-ish, somewhere in that neck of the woods, that plays every single ball game does have a lot of value, particularly in head-to-head formats where you're just... If you start a guy with a four-game week or whatever it happens to be for him, you're going to get your four games. Almost every time he's been extremely durable so far this year. He's number 73 by totals because he's getting in there and he's actually logging the minutes that he should. We have seen the upside capped a little bit. Torrid start to the year, he's leveled off. I'm not sure that all these injuries don't perhaps hurt him a tiny bit. Team maybe not getting quite as good of looks. But he's a hold for me. The guys that are not, we've talked about this before. Chris Boucher, who was not good at all in this ballgame. Truly bad. Even though he got up near 20 minutes because it was a blowout, he saw an extra couple minutes, didn't matter. And then Rondé Ellis-Jefferson, who had four steals in this game, but I also don't trust him. I've been over this time and time and time again. I don't trust these guys that are waiting in the wings. For Boucher, now that his blow-up, his one blow-up is sort of out of the picture over the last week, he's number 220. Sorry, guys. It's not a thing. I think I can go ahead and take the W on that one. Can I officially do it yet? Now we'll wait until the end of this everybody's hurt stretch. Brooklyn, they remain relatively uninteresting, although Karis LeVert did did make his return at 13 points in 16 minutes and will be sitting out their next ball game. Load management in his return from thumb surgery. That's an interesting new look at things, but whatever. As he gets ramped up, it's going to hurt guys like Garrett Temple. It will likely hurt guys like Wilson Chandler. I don't think it's going to have a huge impact on Spencer Dinwiddie. He's going to have to give up some of his usage in all of this mess. But a lot of these guys, their roles are going to remain unchanged. And we also got a weird report over the weekend that Kyrie Irving has been taking cortisone shots, and he's not sure if he's going to play. Well, that's value bottoming out. I don't think you could even trade him at this point. Like, I don't think you could even get a top 50 guy for him after that news broke. So you kind of just have to sit on it and hope that he's just too downtrodden. I'll tell you what. I I do think there's a mental aspect to this. I'm not a doctor, so you guys can pretty much throw this thing out. But when a guy's been out for that long and we've had no updates of any kind, it starts to scream something else going on. In any event, Utah beat Orlando 109-96. There's really nothing interesting with Utah until Mike Conley eventually makes his return. And for Orlando, I can't even watch these games without Jonathan Isaac because it just makes me sad. Wes Wundu played 31 minutes, saw the biggest minute bump with no Isaac, and did nothing with them. Terrence Ross is on one of his heaters again. He had 24 points, and otherwise the Magic are not super interesting. Aaron Gordon trying to play through sore Achilles. That screams something bad is about to happen, but whatever. They're just rumbling along. Oklahoma City blew out Cleveland, but who hasn't? Shea has been very good lately. Steven Adams played better in this ballgame, and he's going to have to because Nerland's Noel sprained his ankle and is expected to miss a couple of ball games. You hold him. You really should. I shouldn't even say that because I'm in leagues with so many of you guys. I should say you drop him so Dan can pick him up. I would pick up Nerland's in a heartbeat if anybody dropped him, but they won't. Chris Paul had a rare slow game because they didn't need him. In fact, the funny story now, if you look at Chris Paul's game by game, he's actually been markedly better 
in their tougher ball games. By the way, they've won five in a row now. And Chris Paul's best games have come against the toughest competition. Their one point went over Toronto. He was brilliant. When they were losing, he was brilliant. He tries to do more when he feels like he is needed more. And you could see how it shook out with this one. He wasn't really needed, so he went into distribution mode and got himself 10 assists. If that's the worst of it, I think we can handle it. Wanted to mention, by the way, on the Cleveland side, since there's not much else with Oklahoma City that's worth discussing, they're a pretty cut-and-dry fantasy team at this point. The Kevin Love blow-up with management. It almost guarantees he's going to get moved this year. So, the question is, does that mean that Chetty Osman is going to have to play a boatload of power forward minutes, or are we going to see the exit of Tristan Thompson as well? They really need to move those guys, because Chetty Osman's fantasy game is blech, and Larry Nance's fantasy game is all right. He's been terrible this year. Something's been wrong with Nance, and hopefully him taking some time off to rest his knee is sort of what the doctor ordered. We shall see, but if I'm in any fantasy leagues, and I am, I'm stashing Larry Nance. I have to. I can't can't come up with a good argument not to because love is almost definitely gone. And then if Tristan Thompson is out, then if you try to convince me they're going to play Ante Zizic over Larry Nance, that's the most inane thing I've ever heard. Teams have done some pretty stupid stuff in the past, but that would be way up there. So if he's on the waiver wire in your league... He feels like a pretty good bet to uh, see a massive increase in playing time within the next four weeks. I mean, I don't know how they could possibly let this Kevin Love thing stretch all the way to the All-Star break. Indiana lost in Atlanta. Whoops. That's called getting caught with your pants down. Trey Young was great. Alex Len has been really good lately. Never thought I'd say those words on a podcast. Kevin Herter played 41 minutes in this game, and he's been really good too. So Herter's, I was surprised. I mean, he didn't go all the way back to when he re-injured that shoulder, and I thought everything was lost, and then he came right back and played in the very next one. That surprised the crap out of me, and he's been pretty good. I would love to see the field goal percent improve a little bit. He's at 40 for the year and over the last month. But despite that, over the last month, he's inside the top 100, and over the last two weeks, he's inside the top 75. Must-own, must-start guy every time he plays a ball game. Alex Len, not enough to say must-own, must-start. However, if you look at some of the big websites, their notes were that you know Alex Len was the biggest beneficiary with John Collins missing that last ball game, which I don't know. I don't know that that's necessarily true. I mean, the biggest beneficiary would be the guy that had the opportunity to start because Collins was out, and that was Bruno Fernando. He just didn't take advantage of it. Alex Len has actually been playing minutes in the 20s pretty much every single ball game, with the exception of the one he got hurt. And a 17-minute game against Utah where he just got punked by Rudy Gobert. Other than that, you look at his last 12 games, he's over 20 minutes in nine of them. And he missed one of completely. Got a zero in there that game against Milwaukee. Since he came back from the very minor injury, 20, 24, 22, 27. Which, you know, meh kind of stuff. But... He has a double-double in there. He has five blocks over those four games, five coming over the last two. He's just big enough where if he's going to be on the floor for 22 to 25 minutes a night, 
he's going to end up with a block. I mean, you can go all the way back to his early Phoenix days. If he was playing 20 minutes a game, he was going to get over a block a game because he's gigantic. He's 7'1", 250. He's a huge dude. He looks better lately. Shooting percentage, way up, way over his career mark. I think he's getting better looks with Trey Young. Can't shoot free throws to save his life. Can rebound, especially on a very small team. John Collins, who is their big leaping rebounder, what is he? 6'8"? What's John Collins listed at? Let's find out what crazy Ross. 6'9", 235. If that. And he's going to go chase things down. He's going to have huge rebounding numbers. But look at it. I mean, half of the reason he gets those massive rebounding numbers is because he's on the floor with a bunch of guys that are small and don't rebound. So Len plays 27 minutes. He gets nine rebounds. I mean, he, he could easily average seven or eight rebounds a game. The free throws are a question mark. But if you're looking for big man stats and you just close your eyes and pray he doesn't take too many foul shots, Alex Len's actually okay right now. And it's not going to show up in the rankings, so he's probably going to still be available in a lot of your leagues because he's missed so many free throws lately. He's number 142 over the last two weeks because over that stretch he's shooting 45% at the foul line. Over the last week, he's at 63% at the foul line, and he's number 57. I mean, that's a big difference. You can go to those last two weeks, and if you punt free throw just understanding the fact he's not going to shoot 45% long-term at the foul line. You're talking about 10-7 and with 1.2 blocks, under a turnover, and 61% shooting from the field. That's well inside the top 100. He's on a number of my watch lists right now. Points leagues, not so much. But boy, if you need rebounds or blocks or field goal percent, he's screaming at you as a possible pickup. We're in a really interesting part of the year where guys are just turning up left and right. Indiana was uh, not interesting. They're, they're the same old story on most uh, most days. Justin Holiday played better, so that took a little shine off Jeremy Lamb. Aaron Holiday is at a tough shooting night against Atlanta, but overall is a viable streamer, particularly with Malcolm Brogdon ruled out. He was ruled out by Sunday for that Monday game. So that's an easy one. Tried him out there when he's getting the starts. Ennis Cantor is no longer worth paying attention to with Boston because he's well over the cut line. 17-12, a steal, and a couple of blocks. I don't know where the blocks have come from, but he's, he's getting them, and he's going to rebound his butt off because the rest of that team is tiny. Chicago, they're pretty straightforward, although Laurie Markkinen turned an ankle, so we may see more of Thad Young in the short term. Honest to God, I'm not sure. Denver got blown out by Washington. That's a big whoopsies. Jamal Murray was very good, and everybody else was terrible. We, you know, Michael Malone put a quote out that he was going to try to get Michael Porter Jr. 25 minutes a game, and a lot of folks were asking about it on the internet, and I said, look, I mean, man, coaches say this type of stuff a lot, but he's got guys like Jeremy Grant and Torrey Craig and Malik Beasley and Monty Morris that are all better basketball players than Michael Porter Jr., and none of those guys is getting anywhere near 25 minutes a game. So, no thank you. Washington is all over the map. Jordan McRae in fill-in work. He was the guy that I streamed, and he did not have a particularly good game, but I'm going to keep trotting him out there until somebody gives me a reason not to because with no Bradley Beal, he's taking a boatload of shots. And even if Beal plays, it actually seemed like he was willing to grab some buckets this Washington team, they're going to get their guys back pretty soon. Thomas Bryant is not far. 
Davis Bertans is not far. Beal is not that badly hurt. This whole streaming mess is going to fall flat on its face. Ish Smith had a big one, so Isaiah Thomas was terrible again. Troy Brown, he's actually been the one guy to sort of quietly hover above the cut line throughout this entire process. So you probably hold on to Troy Brown. Jordan McRae, I think you can stream until the wheels come off. Ish Smith, nah. Isaiah Thomas, who I was really high on, he's... Dis- I don't know what's going on with him. I'm fine with a drop there if you need to go find something else. Washington is very screwy. Jonathan Williams had 12-8 and eight with three blocks and was promptly waived because they needed roster space. That's rough go, man. He had a good ball game and a win. Played 31 minutes. Oh, it's rough to not be one of the team's guys. That's a tough way to go. I saw a lot of it working in the minors, minor league baseball. If you're not one of the guys, then you just have to toil in the mud for a long time. We talked about Detroit already at great length. They beat Golden State. We didn't talk about the Warriors much. Draymond Green was uh, not good. I believe he got ejected in that ballgame on Saturday. Willie Cauley-Stein was getting beat up by the Detroit front court, so he lost a bunch of playing time. Warriors tried to go small and see how it went. Amari Spellman played a bunch of center. I, I think Willie Cauley-Stein will be fine in their next ballgame. They'll slowly ramp him back up, which means Marquise Chris is not going to be worth a hill of beans. Amari Spellman's not going to do that again. Alec Burks is a very safe play, and so is Damian Lee. Why is everybody getting all up in arms? I asked this question on Twitter. I said, why is everybody asking me if they should be dropping Damian Lee? I looked at I'm looking at his line, 14-5-3, steal block, and two three-pointers. Pretty good basketball game. On a, on a day when 22 teams played, he was the 67th best line on the night. I mean, that's, that's, not, that's nothing to sneeze at. And I found out it's because Yahoo, they're linked up with a blurb that said, well, when D'Angelo Russell comes back, he's going to disappear. That's wrong. That is flatly incorrect. And I am not here to call out any particular website or any particular person. That's not our job. But I will point out when something else is leading you astray. That is astray. Do not listen to that blurb. Damian Lee's best ball game came on Christmas Day alongside D'Angelo Russell. Jordan Poole and Kai Bowman played D'Angelo's 32 minutes in this game. Not Damian Lee. He's been playing 30 minutes a game regardless of D'Lo. So hold on tight. He looks great. And the Warriors would be fools not to sign him for the rest of the year. So hold on. Tight, not loosely. Charlotte, overtime win in Dallas. That was the weird one of Saturday, to be sure. Dwight Powell looked great these days, though. Must-own guy lately. He's been fantastic. Big man stats with steals. He's like Larry Nance if Larry Nance was playing. Maxi Kleba's a great stream while Porzingis is out. Although, really, I mean, his numbers have come since the moment KP went down. And then DeLon Wright, obviously not healthy. Played six minutes and had one assist. You can either bench him or you can drop him. I sort of don't carry the way. But if he's hurt, he's going to be a tough guy to hang on to. Hey, Miles Bridges had a double-double for Charlotte. You guys did not like my Miles Bridges, Mikhail Bridges joke, uh, brother joke reference. They are not brothers, just to clarify. They have the same last name. They came out of college at the same time. Two different colleges. It's just funny. I mean, I thought it was, but I'm, <laughs> I'm stupid, though. Um, 
Terra's your big ball game. Devontae Graham finally bouncing back a little bit. Shot 47%. P.J. Washington, he's a must-hold. Played better in this one. And then Bridges is the question mark. I think he's droppable. His percentages have been so bad. I, I, I just... I don't know how you trot him out there for every one of these games and assume it's going to get better. He's he's durable, so there's that. But durability for a guy inside the top 170 is not that big of a fortune. I'd rather have McHale right now. He looks like the better of the two. Bridges, not brothers. Jeez. All right. Throw that joke out the window. They have the same last name, guys. <laughs> Why do you listen to me? San Antonio at Milwaukee. LaMarcus Aldridge hit four three-pointers in the first quarter and then soiled himself the rest of the ballgame, but I still love him. He didn't have any turnovers. But it did knock him down off his his pedestal a tiny bit. He's he's only, only, guys, number 12 now. (gasps) Gasp. End of the first round. Yeah, I know. I'm joking once again. He's been amazing. First rounder, and we were getting him where? 40s? Yeah, you love it. Milwaukee is an uninteresting fantasy program. They had their main four guys, and that's it. Nice road win for New Orleans. J.J. Redick hit the game winner, but mostly he's been unusable lately. And his 26 minutes in this one did nothing to allay my fears. Josh Hart had a better game, much like Redick did, but he has been unusable lately as well. There was a period where I thought there might be a way this team could have six fantasy guys. Lonzo, Redick, Ingram, Hart, Favors, and Holiday until Zion came back. But I don't know that Redick and Hart are going to be over that line in most 12-team formats. A little bit deeper than that, yeah. 14s, absolutely. And even super deep 12 teams, mine included, there's probably a, a space for them. But shallower than that, not so much. Lonzo's been really good lately. I was done with him, and he came roaring back. I don't know if it was an injury but he's managed to push himself back inside the top 130 now after a couple of really big ball games. And then Derek Favors, who I just adore with every fiber of my being. He's completely changed the way that New Orleans is able to play. He's inside the top 100 on a per-game basis for the year now. Remember how bad he was to start the year? Since he's ramped up and his minutes cap got over 20, remember his first three games back, he played 15, 19, and then right around 20 minutes, and they lost all three of those. Since his minutes limit went over 20, he's played 21, 27, 30, 30, 27, 35, 34, 28, and the Pels in those games have gone win, loss, win, 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 loss, win, with a loss at Golden State, oops, and then a loss in L.A. to the Lakers. Over that stretch, they beat Sacramento, Denver, Portland, and Minnesota on the road, and Indiana and Houston at home. They've been flat-out good lately, and I don't think people know it. And the reason why? Yeah, rim protection. Instead of giving up 130, they're giving up like 100. It's a really weird, I mean, it's, it's a stark change. In those wins, they've given up 99, 94, 100, 98, 112 to the Rockets, which, by the way, is pretty good. And then 115 in Sacramento. That was probably more than they wanted to give up. But you know what? They won it anyway. For favors over that stretch, two blocks, one, three, a couple of zeros, four, and a one. He's been double digits and rebounds now for eight consecutive ball games, And he's just steamrolling. And I see no reason 
even Zion, for it to slow down much. They desperately need him on the floor to keep other teams from scoring at will. You know who had a really tough time with Derek Favors? Hoopball prodigal son, Rashawn Holmes. Favors is pushing everybody around. Near the top 40 over the last couple of weeks. Enjoy it. I don't think Zion's even going to knock him off his pedestal because it's not like they're running offense for him. He's just good, man. Everybody forgot how good he was. Kingside Harrison Barnes had a rare big ball game, but I don't care about that. Nemanja Bielica, he was in foul trouble early. Hit a four-point play to tie this game with four seconds left, so his line looked a little bit better. Uh, as long as Marvin Bagley's out, you can start him, and he'll be better than this most games, where Trevor Rees is not going to play 32 minutes. Buddy Heald was good. De'Aaron Fox was bad. Couldn't hit a free throw to save his life. That was the big fear. Rashawn Holmes just continues to be rock solid. Have we missed anybody? I believe the answer is no, but I don't really know. <laughs> Talking about so many teams at this point that one may have slipped through the cracks. I think that's all 30. If I missed one, sue me. Nine-game Monday coming up. That'll wrap things up here on the podcast. We'll get through the Monday card, give you some fantasy thoughts, some betting thoughts, and then we'll put a pin in this one. I really want to get some guests back on the show this week. Oh, oh, I know what I forgot to talk about. Jeez. Hold on, everybody. Hold on. Before we get to the Monday breakdown of what we're watching for in these nine fantasy games, I forgot to tell you guys. Something special going on with the Bruise Letter this week. It's a promotion. At 1 o'clock Pacific Time, p.m., the afternoon, today, Monday the 6th, the Hoopball Fantasy Twitter account will be sending off a particular tweet, again, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, at Hoopball Fantasy. So you got to follow them so you can see the tweet. If you retweet it, and subscribe to the Bruise Letter, you're going to be entered in a drawing. This contest is going to go on for one week. You'll be entered in a drawing for one of three prizes. It'll be your choice among the three prizes. A free premium membership for the rest of the year at HoopBall is one choice. An appearance on a HoopBall podcast is another choice. And the third is a mystery. I'm not going to give the whole thing away. So keep an eye out for that at 1 p.m. Pacific time today at Hoopball Fantasy. Subscribe to the Bruise Letter by clicking a link in that tweet. We're going to have it right there for you. And retweet it, and you get entered in that contest. That's it. You don't have to buy anything. It's a retweet and a sign-up. You should be signed up for the Bruise Letter anyway. So that's fun. I also have my uh, live weekly lineup show at uh, 1130 this morning. So that'll be coming out in just a little bit as well. Okay, now we can get to Monday. Brooklyn is at Orlando. I don't I don't care. No Karis Levert. That would have been the only thing to watch on the Brooklyn side. And then Orlando's just... Just makes me sad. Boston, Washington. We're just paying attention to the health of anybody on the Wizards at this point. I'm going to keep streaming Jordan McRae until somebody makes me stop. Troy Brown, you can probably trot out there as well if you need his more generic stat set. And then the rest of the guys I sort of don't trust right now. Indiana, Charlotte, Aaron Holiday, Stream, Oklahoma City, Philadelphia, 
nothing. Denver, Atlanta. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud for the second time on the podcast, but I'm watching Alex Lane. And I want to see what he does with John Collins around because it looked like he was getting 20-plus minutes a game anyway, and it seems like he's developed a little chemistry with Trey Young, of all people. That's a good one to have chemistry with because he's going to be on the floor a lot. Trey, that is. I actually picked up Alex Lennon in a couple of spots. It pained me to do so, and I'm sure he's going to crap on my fantasy teams, but he's been good lately, and he's been consistently solid. Now all he's got to do is hit 60-something percent of his free throws, and he's inside the top 100. Utah, New Orleans. Is this a revenge game for favors? Do you think he cares? I don't know. It's nice to see the Pels playing well. Chicago, Dallas. Dwight Powell, Maxi Kleba, potential stream on Kleba. Powell, I think, is good enough to use anyway. Chicago, what do we see in place of Lowry Markkinen? Is it worth picking up that young? Dan Bespris, old man special from days gone by? Jeez, maybe I will. Get some rebounds and steals out of this mess. Milwaukee-San Antonio, that's a rematch. Should be a good one. I like the Spurs, by the way, catching seven at home, but we're not even at the gambling part of our podcast yet. So relax, Dan. And then the Warriors at Sacramento. Kings are trying to play a little bit faster of late. It worked out in one game, and then they lost another one. But Warriors are not as good as the Pels. The, uh, the Kings should win this game, and we're mostly just waiting to see what's going on with Bagley. I think he's out. We're not sure yet. Doubtful, I believe. So if that's the case, you can most likely start Bielitsa, and he should have a good game against that pastry of a Warriors defense. Last thing to go over before we put the nail in this one, betting thoughts. And first and foremost... We are now officially just waiting on approval from the folks over at iTunes USA. I don't think that's a real thing. But as soon as they give us the thumbs up on the distribution of our betting podcast, it will be launched. That is extremely exciting. So jazzed up about it. But until that happens, we'll be talking about it here on this podcast. And I'll always give my intermittent thoughts on it anyway. If you're going to bet with us, you should at least be winning your money from our good buddies over at mybookie.ag. How many times do I got to tell you before you do it? Mybookie.ag is the website. Use promo code TODAY, T-O-D-A-Y, when you're signing up for your initial account and deposit, and you get a 50% deposit match. You put in a grand, they give you 500 bucks on top of it. You put in two grand, they give you 1000 That's the maximum. Can't get more than 1000 free bucks. Sorry. They got to put a cap on it somewhere. MyBookie.ag promo code again is the word today. And our layup line stuff has been doing really well. Really well. I lost one I had over the weekend, but it's been something like 8-1 and one leading up to that. It's been fun. Hope you'll join us on our next excursion into the betting stuff. These guys that are starting the betting podcast, man, they are so sharp. And they cover a lot of sports. It's not just basketball. You get you good stuff to bet on all the time. That's mybookie.ag. Promo code, once again, is T-O-D-A-Y. The word today. Check them out now. In terms of what we got coming up on the betting docket today, I already hinted at one thing, I suppose, but I can get you all the lines as well. Orlando is a five-point home favorite over Brooklyn. We saw the the Magic. They're, they're going to run into some issues here without Jonathan Isaac to anchor their defense. Uh, the, the loss to Utah is not a big deal. And, you know, they beat Miami in that first game without their big, their star. I mean, that's, I don't know if, I didn't know if it was going to work out like that with this team because he's a low usage star. 
but they did play well the first game without him, and then we'll probably see things kind of flip back the other way, or they'll try to cover the gaps as best they can. I- I'm probably not going to deal with this ball game. Boston, eight and a half point road favorites at Washington. The Wizards have actually been playing pretty well. Boston is, well, they've been a mixed bag. They were able to pull away from Chicago very late. They were able to hang on and beat Atlanta. They haven't been blowing teams out all that much, but they're good. And so, you know, you look at this thing, and and with Washington, they've been playing better than people realize. You wonder if teams are taking them for granted a little bit. I don't know that Boston is going to make that that same mistake. So, to me, it's Wizards or nothing on this one. Indy, five-point road favorites at Charlotte. They're just not quite the same team without Malcolm Brogdon. I don't... So, that's not a team that I can bet on right now. I don't know that I can bet on Charlotte either, but... There is this sort of, and it's Devontae Graham is really the key to this. They're going to be better. They won two games in a row because Devontae Graham has been a little bit better in those two games. Not that 38% is fantastic, but 47% shooting in that win over Dallas. They go as he goes. I mean, he was in a ridiculous funk that dropped his season field goal percent under 38%. If he starts to rebound a little bit here, they could put up some pretty interesting coverages so I would lean to the Charlotte side. Philadelphia's seven and a half point favorites over Oklahoma City. They're a lot better at home than they are on the road. So I don't think I want anything to do with that ball game. Denver, seven and a half on the road. The chalk at Atlanta. Hawks have been playing well, but Denver coming off a whoopsies game in Washington. So probably not the time or place. Utah, New Orleans. Pelicans only catching three. They've been playing better. And I think that's going to freak some people out. I actually do slightly lean to the home underdog in this ball game. Dallas by 9.5 over Chicago. Milwaukee and San Antonio are playing each other again. As I mentioned, I you know I, I always try to look for the team that lost the first half of these home-and-home home games. And for San Antonio, they did. They lost by 9. The question was, you know, was that competitive enough where this second, this rematch now, I mean, Milwaukee doesn't care that much. They'll go on the road and they'll beat you up there too. They're only laying 7. It makes it hard for me to take the San Antonio side, but that is certainly the lean. And then Sacramento favored by 10.5 over Golden State. That is a whopper of a line, considering that the Kings are not that good either. That's a pretty weird one, probably leaning away from that. So looking at this card initially, Charlotte is probably the the most interesting one, uh, catching five at home to Indiana. New Orleans is interesting, catching three at home as well, and then San Antonio catching seven at home. So a lot of uh, home underdogs is is sort of the, the theme for today's show. Thanks for listening, everybody. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. Again, as I mentioned right at the outset, hit me up if you want to be a part of the madness here, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on Twitter, or just Google Dan from HoopBall. Email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com if you're not into the social media thing and you want to get involved that way as well. Drop a five-star review on the podcast. Uh, Keep doing that, please, and thank you. And the bruise letter is out, and a promo is going. So check out Hoopball Fantasy and make sure you get involved in that promo as well. You have to sign up for the bruise letter and retweet one tweet, and then you're entered into a sweet contest for one of those three prizes The third one, which is now, I guess, out in the open as of this moment. The tweet, by the way, I I said 1 p.m. earlier in the show was actually 1 p.m. Eastern. So that is out already. So you can go do that right now. I I had my my, uh, numbers wrong earlier in the podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Back tomorrow, Tuesday edition, coming up right around the corner. So long. 
This has been a Hoop Ball presentation.